Hello and welcome to the Week in Review. This is our penultimate episode of the year. Um, I'm joined by old reliable Luke Perry. Luke, how are you, sir? I'm very well. It's a shame we we don't have Mario for this time around, so I shall take up his nice mannerisms. How are you today, Sam? <laughs> I'm very well. I'm very well. I'm, I'm you know I'm finally so we're recording this on the 23rd of December, and I'm I'm finally finally feeling a little bit festive um which is good um because it's sort of I, I was saying earlier to someone that uh, you know christmas is a weird thing where it's magical when you're a kid and it's magical when you have kids but in between it's kind of just like a sort of nice day with your family um you know uh sort of sort of tempered you know the, what i expect this year but it's just gonna be a nice sort of simple day you know get drunk in the day watch some films typical really eat some good food yeah yeah, we we are in this between stage of um being children and having them, and so yeah, my, my Christmas is basically you know, you know I watch a few films. Fortunately, I have only been forced to listen to Mariah Carey twice, and I've considered myself very fortunate. And yeah, it, it's a time to just as I say to see family. Fortunately, um, we all live in the same house and on the same street. So yeah, it, it's I think it's going to be a nice Christmas. Yeah, Christmas yeah, yeah. Playing some games, watching films. The Great Escape is on. Uh, BBC One at half three on Christmas oh, Day. God, it's, it's a phenomenal movie. I mean, it's not a Christmas movie, but it's a phenomenal. No, it, it it is a Christmas movie because Christmas. There are two types of Christmas movies: explicit Christmas movies, you know, your Home Alone's and your Elves, and then there's just films that are always on at Christmas and should be on because they're nice films. That's like yeah, so like they always show, they always broadcast the Gruffalo around like late morning Christmas Day. Yeah, it's not remotely Christmassy, but it, no. it does, you know, it does feel like it. I mean, the, the Wizard of Oz is always on at Christmas as well. Okay, film, but always on at Christmas. Same thing actually for Clash of the Titans and Jason of the Argonauts. Fantasy epics of pagan societies, but yeah, good enough films to warrant a Christmas debut. In I think I remember, I remember this last year or the year before on Christmas Eve they broadcast um, the Casino Royale film, but the one that's like a, one that's like a parody of James Bond. Where James Bond is kind of the sort of like slightly effeminate cuckold throughout the whole film. <laughs> You're talking of the Daniel Craig era. <laughs> well, I mean, he was still fairly masculine in, in the in the first Casino Royale. In Casino Royale, through to Skyfall, he was fairly masculine. And then, then that, and after that, that's when they emasculated him. Because bear in mind, you know, like what 2006, it was still pretty normal by then. You know, mm. pre-recession, pre-Occupy Wall Street, pre-blue hair, pre-Tumblr. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but don't, don't think it all began in 2011. People. No, of course, not, of course not. But I mean, uh, it wasn't it wasn't as pervasive back then. No, yeah, now nowadays it's just everywhere. Like, it, like, Trump, 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 and Brexit one, then boom, yeah. it's open. That was the massive event. Okay, so before we get into the into the meat and potatoes, um, what's your favorite Christmas film or or, or nominees? Uh, I would have to say, I'm going to be very Bournebrook Norma here and say it, it's a wonderful life. Oh, it's it's honestly, yeah. Also, it's a film you can watch really any time of year. It's oh, yes. Movie, but like, it's not like, you know, it's not about Christmas. It's about kind of, it's about, you know, appreciating how important you are, despite yeah. not believing yourself. How, how important you are, but also stepping away from, you know, like this kind of mm-hmm. nine to five workaholism that's been kind of, you know, brain fed into into the western masses and just appreciating your family and, and your life and you know the and 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 the community around you it's a, it's a really really wonderful film yeah. um, but also on the short list i would have to say miracle on 34th street 
just just a nice film throughout. Um, I watched one last year. It's kind of a niche one. Um, it's called the the shop around the corner. It's uh, from that same sort of era, like black and white movie. Um, I recommend that as a, as a one film, but also as a lifelong appreciator of Jim Henson and his body of work. I have to say Muppets Christmas Carol is up there as well. Oh, yes. Uh, in terms of comedy, I, I would say Elf. Elf's very good. We, we, we also need to watch that this year, Memory of James Caan, God bless him. And... Um, they're calling Trading Places a Christmas film as well. I disagree. I think that's strictly New Year's Eve. So I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't buy the argument that Die Hard's a Christmas film. Mm, I, I like to say it is uh, only because it annoys my mother, and she thinks Love Actually is a good film. Yeah, it's like an anti-Christmas film. Um, that's still, you know, um, but yeah. So well, Christmas aside, you know, it's just a day of you know, it's probably the one day that you can get drunk at noon and sort of feel okay about it. Um, yeah. And I I have a habit. So I, tradition in my, in my family is that every year I, I make a cocktail. Um, I, I, I sort of, I, I, I find the recipe and I make a cocktail and I, you know, I, I serve them to the family and I'm doing dry martinis this year. Um, so just, just a little bit of, sort of a bit, bit of class, you know. I feel like vermouth is a very classy drink. Yeah. Yeah. But um that aside, um we're we're here to discuss um the year that's about to come. So we'll do one more between now and New Year, which we will look back on the year that's been, but we're, we're, today we're looking at the year to come, 2023. And I think going into I'm I'm despite the year that's been, I'm more optimistic about the year to come than I was this time last year or the year before that. Yeah. I mean bear in mind. Going into 2021, um, we'd basically just seen a very dubious election take place in the US, which, you know, ultimately, whether we like it or not, does feed into the UK, you know. Um, and going into this, this year round, you know, we had 2021, which was basically just a year-long struggle session, um, especially around Jan 6. Um, but going into 2023, I'm, a- I'm actually quite optimistic because, as we discussed before on the show, we have something that we didn't have this time last year, which is a counter elite, um, yeah. which does give me some cause for cautious optimism. Yeah, it's it's at least an array of hope. And uh, what Elon Musk has done within, say, a matter of about a fortnight, completely blown the lid off of everything. So the US government has been found to deliberately violate the First Amendment by t- paying Twitter millions to censor its opponents. Uh, ele- clear election collusion, particularly over the Hunter Biden story. If that story had reached legacy media, that Donald Trump would have been re-elected. No qualms about that. And of course, sort of next year, you're going to have um, well, yeah. So the start of Republicans throwing their hat in the ring for um the next presidential election. And uh, there are there are many, you know, sort of delusional candidates who are on like 0.5 percent. So the the two are going to be. DeSantis and Trump, and both are anti-establishment, both have thrown sticks of dynamite. I know they have their own personal differences, and Trump's going to fight dirty, being the New York businessman he is, but that's certainly something to watch. Although Two it, deliberately anti-establishment politicians yeah. on the national stage. The, dif- the difference between those two, Trump and DeSantis, is, I think, the difference between Elon Musk and 
virtually anyone else who's voiced some sort of you know anti-progressive opinion over the last couple of years which is that yes you mentioned trump as a businessman right he's a he's a, he's a, he's a fox he's a jackal right he's, he's, he's that canny businessman but DeSantis, just like musk has over the last couple of years wielded monarchical power which is the the the, the difference maker you know mm. um trump had four years two if you consider the you know the, the lame duck years after the midterms but he had two years to drain the swamp, right? Gut the federal bureaucracy. Didn't do a damn thing about it. You know, he huffed and puffed and tweeted, but didn't do anything about it. Sanders, um, on, on the other hand, has actually accomplished quite a lot in his enclave. He's turned Florida from being a purple state into being effectively the last bastion of, of American conservatism, which is yeah. a very big deal when you think when you really think about it. Florida, the census turned the southern tip of Florida very, very dark red, which is highly unusual. That's like Manhattan only going seven seven to one in favour of the Democrats, when in reality, of course, it's like nine to one. Uh, and, yeah, Republicans have Florida. And, uh, I mean, the America, like the UK, has, has gone under a, a general political realignment. Uh, Colorado is no longer competitive. Nevada is not really competitive anymore. But uh, Republicans now pretty much have Ohio which is the bellwether state. Mm. And uh, there's also been the census changes where um, Democrats have lost electoral, Democratic states have lost electoral votes, Republican states have gained them. Yes, yeah, that's the big thing about Florida, is that Florida has a decent amount of electoral college, college votes. Mm. Okay. I think it's got the fourth most. Yeah, I mean, winning winning Florida is... A, 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 is, is winning a... Florida is like the new Ohio now. Yeah, I mean, Florida, it, it, it would be akin to... The Democrats live in Texas. I mean, it's you know, there's a lot of votes. You can it can swing things. You know, you're yeah. you're less beholden on the results in say Arizona or Colorado than you would be before. Hmm. I mean, and and to to bring it back to the UK, I mean, I think one thing you mentioned realignment. I mean, one, one thing that's really happening in the UK that you myself and Mario have observed in private is, um, I suppose what what we refer to as the the, the bell curve coalition. You know, it's a uh, it's this is this is almost like the Israeli coalition of the um the the the, the, the either end of the bell curve. You know, I mean, yeah. you see, you've seen the memes where you know the the enlightened aristocrat and the and the, the Neanderthal agree. You know, and it's the midwit in the middle who's you know. Um, yeah. You know, I, I mean, the, the genuine science behind this, the uh, the, the midwit in the middle relies on sort of connections and status mm. and being agreeable to get ahead. And competence without real sort of concrete being a drone basically yeah. and the, the opposite ends um well the aristocrat of course sees deep into the fabric of the universe and can tell what's going on the the neanderthal has to rely on sort that of feeling. common sense and but they're also both sort of unified by low trust of the modern world yeah so it, it, it's less of an that's why i think it's less of an intelligence thing and more of um i think you're suspect mate Hmm. something's not right yeah, yeah yeah that's because i mean historically prior to sort of the the emergence of the bourgeois class um the upper and lower had a real symbiosis i mean people think of um sort of feudal society as being one of absolute oppression but really it was driven by the concept of um noblesse oblige rather than you know i pay you you sell yourself to me you know which is the relationship between the working class and the bourgeoisie um it's a much more 
good faith, much more duty-bound coalition than the one between employer and slave. Or yeah, there's, I mean, be between not just employer and, and slave, but that there's real, really no connection between the people around you in an advanced Western economy. There's, you know, from the advent of neoliberalism in the 20th century, everyone's just out for their own neck and out to satisfy their hedonistic desires. And so there's less time to think about miscellaneous things like nationhood or family or community or anything like that. Yeah. And you're just in this negative feedback loop of becoming more individualistic, less community, then nature just takes hold. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and then that's when you 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 claw for identity. Because I mean, identity is inevitable. I think, yeah, possibly. I think possibly you and I, or at least I, was guilty of you know, uh, the my my part of my disgust response to um, sort of the excesses of 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 liberal identity politics was a aversion to identity politics as a whole. What I what I realize, you know, as, as I as, as I age, you know, into my late twenties, is that you know identity is inevitable. It is just simply how we identify with and connect with the world around us. Mm. Um, it's just a matter of. Uh, I think we 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 pointed out in one of our private calls, but um, if you look again, if you look at the bell curve meme, which I think is far more prophetic than people give it credit for, <clears throat> what you find between the two different, you know, the, the the coalition and the singular in the middle is whether your preference is inward or outward. Yeah. Um, the midwit in the middle um, will not lose a minute's sleep over the fact that you can arrive in this country illegally and, you know, effectively have a silver platter in front of you. Whereas there are people who have fought for this country and need to die for this country who are homeless. You know, that doesn't bother them. Um, it, it does bother the upper and lower end because they have a loyalty to the, to the land they're on. One, but on the lower end, because, you know, due to communal factual means, they will very rarely leave a certain area. And the, on the other, because they effectively own the area, you know. Um, mm. The middle has no loyalty um, to, to where it's from. You know, it's like, um, obviously, it's, it's tired by now, but all by the way, you know, the... the the intelligentsia, or I think what, what has now become just the, the standard middle class uh, morality, is to feel more shame standing for the national anthem than by than standing from, from the poor box. Yeah, it's a, a lovely reference to Orwell there, but it, it, it's true. Now, um, you saw this with, with Brexit. The people voted for Brexit because they think that um, that the middle midwit class was not listening to them, and their response and the midwit response to the Brexit vote proved them absolutely correct. Yeah. Uh, th th these th these people, and it's very dangerous if people, groups of people, this conflicted and this contrary to one another, live under the same political system. But they do. You essentially have a nation that's tearing itself apart. One wants to be globalists. Or wants to sort of look outward it is just as home in Bern as it is in London and you have the people who do come from somewhere who are part of, of a community and a nation who are accused by uh, the, the, uh, the metropolitan urbanite office class of being flag shaggers and these people are never going to get on because the, their views are too contrary never going to unite it's, it's a, it reminds me of, of a piece you wrote a while ago about how um, two Englands have emerged um one is you know uh the english economic zone another is you know true england um yeah. i think we're at this point now where you and i are both sort of clamoring to to we found ourselves in the wrong 
on the wrong side of the wall and you know sort of trying to try to scale it and get out i mean and that's something you know so sort of, you know, we're talking about looking forward to the the year ahead i mean one thing that we hope to achieve but you and i in, in the coming year is to escape the english economic zone and get into true england you know i mean you and i are both you know made it very clear our attention to move away from the southeast yeah the um we got on a private private call once and discussing the the various zones in the uk the one we live in is the uh, commuter slave belt of london yeah. and that encompasses about you know 20 million people from kingsland to southampton is absolutely huge and uh, it's a place where certainly i am without a future as i say I, i'd have to slave away my life at an office desk commuting vast distances either to the capital or to a surrounding sub-commuter town like cambridge where i work now and i Given the house prices, I, I could never afford a home here. It, not the to get a deposit as well as afford the monthly payments. It's not happening. So yeah, I'm hiking sticks to the West Midlands because it's cheaper, and then to New Astorius. Yeah, likewise, likewise. Yeah, that, that, that's I mean that that's the, the phrasing of New Astorius is, is I hadn't even thought about it in those terms until you mentioned it. Um, and it, it really is the it really is the, the, the I think. It, it it's has the part been, where England remains England. Yeah, the, 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 the commuter belts, as I say, it's 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 becoming well less English at a considerable rate. Where we live are basically a London suburb. I live in a town of forty or thousand. There is no industry whatsoever. Yeah, the high street is coffee shops and charity shops and banks. Yeah, that's I mean, it. The the whole of the southeast and sort of southern east Anglia is just effectively a metropole, a singular metropole. And as you know, uh, I mean, obviously HS2 crashed and burned, but with um, sort of rail railworks kind of getting not cheaper but faster, um, and work from home getting more common, you know, at least three, four, two, three days, days a week, um, the whole that whole part of the country is just turning into a metropole. I mean, you know, it, it's sad to say because, you know, like wh where I live now, I mean, obviously I won't disclose where exactly, but, um, you know, it's been, with the exception of, you know, five years of my life, in my late teens, I was at university, um, is my home, you know, but it's, it's ultimately you have to look around and just see that the writing is, is on the wall, you know, mm -hmm. get out while you can. Yeah, yeah where I am is, is just doomed. There's, there's urban sprawl everywhere. And with work from home, it actually makes it easier to work in London. Yeah. Because now that the only two, three days on the commute doesn't sound so bad. Yeah. But yes, people here spend all their lives working. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like working for like no real increase. I mean, you know, I mean, with things like inflation, if you if your salary isn't, isn't increasing at the same rate, you're, you're taking a pay cut, really. Well, it's like what I said. Okay, here, I, I, I can't afford home. If I moved out, I certainly couldn't afford rent. I'd, ha I'd have to live in, in shared housing with, with a bunch of strangers. Oh. For, it's still an extortionate amount. Mm -hmm. And I have no disposable income to really start my life. I, I'll just be in this cycle of waking up, serve employer, eat, go bed, and repeat ad infinitum. Well, to be fair, one thing that has changed in me, actually, is... Um... Uh, we, we were saying this before how actually in, in a way the mortgage is actually a, a, a stronger set of chains than 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 renting you know um like yeah your home well, think about it the people i don't like renting is you're paying for a house that isn't yours that's sort of the same with the mortgage because you've got interest rates that are going up 
and it can be re repossessed and it, and it can be repossessed and I, I think Andrew Tate sort of woke me up on this point if if you have a mortgage and you do something that the state doesn't like a judge is gonna stamp a certain legal paper and boom you do not have a house anymore a certain point yeah so I mean your options are either renting or cash buying yeah um which is which is all it's it's an interesting thing isn't it yeah because I mean look I I I, I'm in a sort of never-ending process of trying to untether myself. Yes, but I, I now um, I don't bank with any of the high street banks anymore. Yeah, you know, I close my I close my accounts with those banks, and I I bank with a sort of a startup bank on my phone, uh, Monzo. Um, I'm, I'm untethering myself because I mean, you know, obviously while it still isn't perfect, but the startup sphere is you know probably slightly your your hands are slightly cleaner than bank you know say hsbc who you know who wash money for drug cartels yeah it's, um, it's it's i mean in the last year i've worked for a big company and a small company small companies are vastly better because yeah. there's more trust people have more more of a stake in it and more of a say and you're probably working uh within the room of the managing director with with the with the, the owner yeah and with a large company, I say there's so many people, there's so many things going on, there's so many of these fake fiat jobs going around, like you know, financiers and HR and all those useless people. And it's it's so very controlling because there is a lot of people, there is inherently less trust. Yeah. And so that's where you get the controlling. That's that's where you've got to use, you know, certain words to describe yourself. Mm -hmm. I know the work my, my, my old place used was, oh, you must be on brand. They also called our, our own um, work groups pods, which really, I don't know if it was deliberate or otherwise, but it, it did exemplify how dystopian it really was. Was it you or Mario who got in trouble for saying head honcho? Uh, that was Mario. 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 Yeah, yeah. And how was it? Was it, was it, was it your one that they referred to meetings as like family meetings or something like that? Oh, yeah. They, they, they called Zoom meetings family gatherings. Yes. Yeah. Because I mean, that's another thing too. So I always found, I always found that in service jobs. And I was like, like bartending or baristaing, where they would refer to the, the staff as being like a family, right? Well, I don't need like a family. You know, I have a family. I have friends. I have a life outside of this. My colleagues, are not family because no. we're, we're, we're not there through common interests we're there because we applied for a hundred jobs and this is the only one that picked us we're here by circumstance and also i mean i've heard this from everyone i've talked to there are real snakes in the office world people who would turn on you in an instant yeah you think you're calling them friends i don't drink with colleagues it's too yeah. high risk no i mean you, you you can't really let loose you know um you know, if something comes up, you know, I mean, you and I obviously being heterodox, I suppose, is a liberal word, way of saying it, have been in, have pre been, or anyone like us has been in this environment where you're, you're in the pub, pre at university or whatever, in some sort of scenario, and suddenly a topic comes up that's of particular importance to the progressive caucus. You know, mm -hmm. like, oh, did you hear about the don't say gay bill in Florida? Oh, it's so bad, is it so bad, isn't it? <laughs> Suddenly, you're in either you you feign support, which is spiritual suicide. Yeah, you have to you have to hand back your man card and your soul. You keep quiet. Also damaging to the soul. Mm -hmm. You, I mean, the, probably the the most damage control thing you can probably do is just like go outside for a cigarette um or again that's again that's like a mode of silence or you speak your mind uh, and, and, you, and, you speak your mind. and you and you take a big big risk 
I mean, there are times at university where I really wish I had spoken my mind in this particular circumstance. So they just ran my mouth on certain things, but yeah, it's it was not a hundred percent success. Really. I did cower away sometimes. But also, but, but when you when you're dealing with a leviathan like this, you do need to pick your battles. You know, because I mean, if you don't, I mean, because like you know, you and I both believe that we live in in some form of regime, right? Yeah. Oh, you need to live like that. You need to act like that. You know, and no successful dissident in history paraded around the fact that they were a dissident because that, that that's just the way of you you get martyred instantaneously for no gain. Mm. You know, it's, it's you need to pick your battle. So you put in this very bizarre spot, and that's another reason among among thousands to to detether yourself as much as you can you know yeah because the, the, the regime relies uh, not on raw power but dependency it's you know i know we, we talk about this a million and one times but they're not gonna break your kneecaps and put you on a gulag they're just gonna make you unemployed yeah there's gonna be they're just gonna take your house away unemployable yeah and also they're gonna you which was the stasi tactic of just not outright oppression but just working behind the scenes in your private life to get you fired get your wife to divorce you yeah your friend your friend disavowed because because again you know i mean i was saying this before we, we recorded that one thing I'm, I'm i'm sort of interested in writing about is the idea of um the cultural in effect being a, a power struggle over the right to declare what is and isn't good manners you know, I mean, in 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 the progressive um, world or in monoculture, it is bad manners to not not, not use they them. You know, um, it's yeah, it's it, you know, it's it's bad manners. It's being uncouth or bad manners or you know, um, sort of not the dumb thing to decry progressive. Um, when you, you you don't toe the line with these people they take it as 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 provocation and as just something ghastly not they, they can't differentiate between okay someone has a different opinion than me versus someone who's inherently evil they take the evil route that's why you don't even get a rebuttal you just get okay this person needs to be deplatformed needs to be censored sack him bye bye where is the jugular how can i how can i pierce it yeah um but again with all that said it it does feel like something has kind of you know so, something has kind of started to move the other way and you know and ultimately what happens in america will happen here um well, what's happening in america is, is less of uh donald trump and ronda sanders it's why they are there uh trust in the american institutions is at an all-time low and with the registered republicans like trust in, in the fbi is about negative three percent mainstream media i think has been hovering around five percent for about a decade now but, but the issue is trust institutions also rises if you are a registered democrat so you're at the position where some people are, are complete sheep and some people just can tell a lie when they see it and yeah. these institutions are not truthful yeah i mean obviously it's, it's it's the endless discussion you know is you know which who basically who got it right you know Hux, huxley orwell bradbury you know who um who got it right you know and then there are kernels of truth in all of them and basically each of them got wrong you know i think i don't think all predicted the level of which people would cling to their their servitude and i think huxley realized what to, to the extent of viciousness that the regime would exhibit um, but the one thing that all really got right was that you know 
the way that they break you is to admit obvious untruths. You know, mm. the, you know, the climax of seeing, you know, two plus two is five, right? Or like, uh, I think it's more than five, you know? Um, you know, and that's kind of the last line of defense within yourself is to never accept those untruths. Yeah. yeah. Um, you'll be confronted with them constantly and you'll have, you know, an easier life dangled in front of you constantly. You, um, you got to act as the guy who uh, sticks on the sunglasses and they live. You've got to see all this, you know, diversity billboards, and you 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 just got to say, okay, it's saying the word obey here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got not got anything to do with homosexuals or queers. It's just obedience. Lock lockdown was just obedience. They knew it didn't work. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, um, I think um for this week, um, bit of a short one this week, but I think we will leave it there. But we will be back before the end of the year with uh, the year in review. Um, hopefully we'll have Mario back or even Michael. We'll see. Um, Michael will be a, a, a more common uh, fixture on the show in the new year. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll have a slightly more um, more uh, substitutive uh, lineup, a bit more interchangeable lineup uh, going into the new year. But, um, yes, uh, from Luke and myself, thank you for listening. And we'll see you again next week. Cheers.